is uh, not with us today, and he's got a bunch of young people um, and young adults at a youth convention. There are 800 all together in, uh, uh, from our, across our district, Eastern Ontario, that are meeting together in, uh, in uh, Oshawa, so he's away with them today. And uh, so I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad, uh, thank you, Brian, for uh, leading us in worship. Appreciate that, and uh, doing a great job. And uh, we're going to continue on our series today talking about community and what we value as a community. And um, as Ian said, we're in a series that's talking about our values. And we're, today we're talking about relationships that matter. But we've been uh, presenting these uh, this six-week series, and so we're, we're heading into the second half today. Uh, we finished three, and uh, this is the beginning of the last half of these. Uh, so two more Sundays that we'll be talking about um, our values as a church community. So let's just review some of those things a little bit. Uh, it flows out of uh, our purpose, the why we exist, and uh, that is to see lives changed by the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think there's a slide for that, Matt, if you want to switch to that. Uh, to see lives changed by the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in South Ottawa and beyond. Uh, we just uh, see ourselves as strategically placed here in this community, um, not to be just a light to uh, the village of Greeley, but to have influence throughout the uh, the area of South Ottawa and uh, even into Ottawa itself to play our part in uh, in this city. Uh, our mission is how we fulfill our purpose. We've been talking about this mission for a long time, about connecting people to God, to each other, and our world through real relationships. We believe relationships are at the core, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, about why we value relationships so more, so much. And our values flow out of that, the idea of connecting to God. We've talked about the fact that Jesus is the center. Jesus is our central message. It's what we, what we have in common with every other believer um, in uh, in Christendom is our is our solid belief in Jesus Christ his his uh, his incarnation his birth his death his resurrection and his ascension and uh, and the work that he continues to do in our lives and our hearts and in our world we uh, value grace and so part of our, our connection to God is receiving the grace that we, we have and letting that grace flow through us into the world around us. Connecting to each other. Last week, Pastor Nate did a great job talking about authenticity and no masks and what that really means and, uh, and, and how that applies to us in very practical ways and why we value um, being real and authentic people here in our community. Not just uh, not pretending to be something we're not. We're just wearing religious masks when we come and uh, putting on our Sunday best, but being the real people that we are with the struggles we have and the real lives that we have. And then today we're talking about relationships that matter in under connecting to each other. And then uh, the next two weeks we'll be talking to connecting to our world, love and action, and new friends first. But let's get into um, relationships that matter. Sometimes when we hear us talk about things like relationships and we use these little uh, phrases, you think, oh, that's what's that's what's trendy now in uh, preaching or in churches. That's what uh, people are talking about now because it's kind of it's got a vibe to it that, uh, that is attractional or whatever. That's not why we're talking about it. It's not because it's the latest trend. It's because it's very much rooted in the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. When Jesus um, was, uh, was launching the church, it was launched in the, in the context of relationships. It wasn't Jesus sweeping in 
and, uh, and creating a new movement all by himself. The well, first thing Jesus did was starting to call people around him. And the twelve disciples and, the, and, uh, and others that came around him. And Jesus began building a network of relationships. And, uh, <clears throat> and the interesting thing is Jesus then up and left them and let them continue by doing the same thing. One by one, building relationships together and sharing the message. In John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you. He said, I'm giving you something new to think about and to live by. Um, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And uh, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus gave this, gave this new commandment to, to us that we would see at the core of who we are, the new commandment that we have. And I just realized, I forgot something on my desk, is... Uh, is Liz around or Hope? Can you go? If you got my, your key, there's a there's a whole list of one another's there. I need to see on my desk, <laughs> and because uh, I didn't bring it with me. Because um, we're going to talk about some of those one another's, but Jesus, this is very much rooted in the character of God. This idea of relationship, because first of all, God lives Himself in community. He doesn't live isolated from community. It's a very interesting thing, the, uh, the theology of the three-in-one, the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's probably one of the hardest things we could ever explain to you um, from Christian theology. But if you look at the scriptures and you look at the study of, of the scriptures over the centuries, there seems to be this identity that God has um, related to his threeness in his oneness, the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not because God is three different people. He's just one person, but carries three identi- identities and three personalities. There's different ways we might explain that. One way that uh, one of the, the pictures that, um, that the world or that some have given us is the idea of a, of a uh, light going through a prism or through a, you know, one of those triangles that comes out, you know, goes in as a single light and comes out in three colors, you know, and because uh, the purity of a prism. So you get this out of one comes three. Another way that I've used sometimes to, uh, to um, uh, um, describe the Trinity is um, by looking at someone like myself. I'm uh, one man, my name is Michael, but I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a father, and uh, I'm a husband. So as a one person, I have three different identities. Now all of those things, all the things that we could share with you that, uh, that bring this about would fall short of really describing God, but we understand God works in community as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, would go and he would pray to his Father. That's it. Perfect. Thank you. Um, he would pray to his Father in heaven and would receive and talked about the Spirit. There's an interesting uh, picture in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, when Jesus is baptized in water. It's an interesting thing that Jesus himself was baptized in water. If you've never been baptized in water, you need to consider the idea simply because Jesus was baptized in water. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's a good thing to do the things that he does. And, uh, but Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. 
And it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. In that moment, God revealed himself to the world as in, in that threeness in his oneness. So we have Jesus being baptized. We have the Spirit of God descending, as it were, like a dove, it says. We don't know what was actually a dove, but it descended like a dove. There was something that they saw visible, and they heard a voice. So between hearing and seeing, God made himself known in these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you look at the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, after God had created all, all the, uh, the, uh, the, the world, he created the universe, he created the animals and the sea and the, all the things that he created, then he said uh, he turned to, uh, to create man. It says there, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Who's the us? Who's, who, who's us? But God is referring to himself in a plural form, not because there's three gods, but because of, the, of the, this, this, the character of God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It talks about the Spirit brooding over the waters. It talks about the role of, of God in this, God the Father speaking in authority. John says, if you look at John chapter 1, he kind of mirrors the creation story. He talks about Jesus being there in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning. You see, so God reveals himself to us in his usness. And he creates us in his own image. He creates us to be um, in community the way he's in community. And so God creates man to be in relationship with him and with one another. Because partway, uh, on that same day, a little later on, God says, you know, it's not really good for a man to be alone. <clears throat> it's not good for humans to be by themselves. It's not good for them to not live in relationship and there's no suitable uh, person or no suitable creation here uh, that that uh, that a man that a human can relate to. Uh, Adam named all the animals. It says that he went through and he 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 uh, had some kind of interaction with each of the animals, and he gave them a name. And we don't know if those were their Latin names or their English names or whatever name, but they got a name from Adam. And Adam, um, but. God said there wasn't anybody, there wasn't anything in that all of creation that was suitable for Adam to have a relationship with. So the Bible says that God caused a great sleep to come on Adam and he took a, a rib from his side and out of the rib he created woman. And, uh, and he said, now uh, man and women, woman together um, will be come one flesh, a, fa a son will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. We have this, this, the picture of marriage right there in the creation story, the beginning of relationship. The idea of relationship is, is inherently um, in the very character and the essence of God. And it's the image of God that, uh, that we bear and the, the need, our need for relationship is as, uh, as much a part of our, um, our relationship to God as anything else. God ordained relationships in that kind of way. 
The other thing is that uh, the Bible highly values the concept of one another. Thank you, Hope, for getting these notes for me. You know that uh, the the term one another is uh, used in the New Testament a hundred times. A hundred times in the New Testament it says one another. Um, and, and there are 94 different verses. And 47 of those verses, this is why I needed a paper in front of me because I could not remember all this, all right? 47 of those verses give instructions to the church and 60% of those instructions come from Paul. And they, you can break them down into themes, the one another verses. So a lot of the one another verses talk about unity together. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, it says to be at peace with one another. In John 6, 43, don't grumble among one another. In Romans 12 and 15, be of the same mind with one another. In Romans 15, verse 7, accept one another. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three, wait for one another before beginning the Lord's Supper. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, it says don't bite, devour, and consume one another. In Galatians 5.26, it says, Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. In Ephesians 4.22, it says, Gently, patiently tolerate one another. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Bear with and forgive one another. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. In James 4, verse 11, and James 5, verse 9, it says, don't complain against one another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess sins to one another. Then it talks in the scripture as well about the theme of love one another. Um, <clears throat> one third of the verses of, uh, that use the term one another talk about loving one another. Verses like John 13.34, John 15.12, John 15.17, uh, Romans 13.8, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, 1 Thessalonians 4.9, 1 Peter 1.22, 1 John 3.11, 1 John 4.7, 1 John 4.11, and John, 2 John chapter 5, all say simply the words, love one another. <clears throat> Galatians 5.13 says, through love, serve one another. Ephesians 4.2 says, tolerate one another in love. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14, it says, greet one another with the kiss of love. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. In a, some of the other verses, 15% of the other verses of, about one another stress an attitude of humility and deference among believers. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, give preference to one another in honor. In Philippians 2, verse 3, it says, regard one another as more important than yourselves. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, serve one another. In John chapter 13, verse 14, it says, wash one another's feet. In Romans chapter 12, verse 16, it says, don't be haughty, be of the same mind. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, be subject to one another. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And here's the rest of the verses about one another. Do not judge one another and don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Greet one another with a kiss. Romans 16, 6, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, and 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Husbands and wives, don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. 
Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. Speak truth to one another, Ephesians 5, 25. Don't lie to one another, Colossians 3, 9. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Encourage and build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. Pray for one another, James 5, 16. Be hospitable to one another, 1 Peter 4 and 9. I would say, judging from the amount of verses and the scope of what these verses say, it's that God values how we live in relationship with one another. It's important for us to have other people in our life that we share with, people that are in our lives. It's not something that is some kind of newfangled idea. It's not some kind of fad that we're talking about here. We're talking something that is deeply rooted in the Word of God. Now, I read a whole lot of, of, of um, numbers and, you know, 1 John 5, 13, whatever, and maybe you're here this morning and you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let me just give you a little lesson about the Bible, okay? The Bible, we believe, has been passed down generations to generations through, through uh, the Jewish religion and through Christianity, and, uh, and that is a, a collection of many different writings. 66 books are in the Bible. It's not one book, it's 66 books. It has multiple authors. And one of the ways that, um, that we have learned to study the Bible is by breaking it up into little parts. So each of those books is divided into chapters, just like a normal book would be divided into chapters, but each of the chapters is divided into verses. So when I said First uh, John 5, verse 13, what I was saying is the first letter of John, the first epistle of John, he wrote three letters, so First John, Second John, Third John. He also wrote a gospel of John, but let's not get confused. So First John is, <laughs> is his first letter, chapter 5, verse 13. So when I read all of those, I was just referencing a specific spot in the Bible that, uh, that just kind of gives, gives uh, context or gives um, proof. And if someone really wants to look all of those up, I can give you this paper and you can go and look them up if you like just to check and make sure I was correct. A hundred times the terminology, one another, is in the Bible. Relationships are important. And we value relationships at Parkway because we know the scriptures value relationships. And one of the first cracks in our, <clears throat> in our lives, one of the areas where things start to fall apart is often in the area of our relationships. And if you're struggling in your relationships, it's a time for you to evaluate what God needs to do in your life and the work he needs to do in your life to help you get along with people better. And uh, we all have to work on that because relationships is at the core. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, um, when relationships start going bad for us, it's kind of like pain in our bodies. We have to pay attention to that pain because it's actually telling us something is not working properly. And so when our relationships are... And that's not to say that it's your fault, that rela- the relationships are failing, or that you're having problems in relationships. It's not to say it's your fault, but it is something that you need to look at, you need to investigate, and you need to bring it under the... the um, the scope. So if we, these one another verses kind of give us a picture of what our relationship should be like. And they give us a, uh, a kind of a benchmark as to how to evaluate our relationships. The other thing about relationships is um, why we value relationships is because the church 
is God's plan for Christian relationship. Now, that's not exactly the church as we have it here. The church has evolved into, um, you know, uh, as it grew larger and larger and larger and larger, um, the church organized in different ways, and most, uh, most Christians today meet like this in what we call a church, a building, but it's not the church. The building is not the church. It's just the building. Um, and uh, we, we say we're going to church, but that's not the church. <laughs> All right, but that's how we've terminal, that's the terminology we have used as it developed over the years. The church actually is all of God's people together around the world, wherever they meet, however they meet. This is God's idea, and He says we need to be in relationship within that church. When Jesus was leaving this earth and he was, he was saying to the, to the disciples and to all his followers, he said, I want, you to, um, I want you to continue on the work that I've started of bringing the kingdom to this earth. I want you to keep doing what I've been doing. So I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and I'm going to, um, I'm going to empower you to, um, to do the work that I've called you to do through the Holy Spirit. But Jesus didn't say, now go home, each one of you, to your own homes and wait for the Holy Spirit to come to you. He said, I want you to wait together in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so they, that's what they did. They waited until the Holy Spirit was given. And in Acts chapter 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, we used to have a joke about that because in the King James Version, it said uh, that, all the, that um, on the day of Pentecost, uh, they were all in one accord. So we used to say, well, we know that um, Hondas were the favorite cars of early Christians because they were all in an accord on... Yeah. But the modern translation said they were all meeting together in one place. <laughs> But you see, it's in, this, it's in this context of community that the church is formed. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not about individualism, it's about collectivity. It's about sharing life together in relationship. And when Jesus was, was starting the church, he didn't, he didn't um, invite people to come to a, um, a course he didn't say, join my course and I'll teach you how to do the kingdom of God. He didn't invite people to, um, to, um, to some kind of uh, coaching seminar or something like that. He didn't even invite them into one-on-one um, sharing together with him. Jesus, when he was going to start the church, he invited them to a table for a meal. On the, on the day before his crucifixion, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he said, come and eat with me. And so they had what we call today the Last Supper. And Jesus broke the bread and he gave them the wine and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And he said, now I want you to keep meeting together and eating like this together over and over and over again. Because... The Lord wants us to work in his, to establish his kingdom here on earth together. You know, to me, it would be an amazing thing if the church really worked in unity together. I don't mean just this church. 
Any unity we can achieve in this, this smaller group is wonderful. But when we think of the, the influence that we could have in the world if, every, if all the millions and billions of Christians, followers of Christ, people who name the name of Jesus, who say they follow the word of God, the Bible, if all of those people, if we could actually lay down all of our, our uh, angry words and all of our things that we have in opposition to one another, and we could actually see ourselves as working with, for the same purpose and kingdom. What a powerful thing. If we could gather around the same table. You know, the Bible says that one day we will. The Bible says that when Jesus comes again, that he's going to gather his church from the four corners of the earth. I don't know how he's going to do that. I don't know exactly what it looks like. We have pictures of a rapture. We have pictures of the second coming. We have all these kind of things that maybe we've been influenced by. But the Bible isn't exactly clear on all of that. But it does say that God is going to, that Jesus is going to pronounce a time a trumpet blast, a call, and the call is going to bring all the people that are Christ followers from the corners of the earth, the church, and he's going to pull them all together into the heavenly realm and they're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal together. Because the Lord calls us into community, into relationship with one another. And the first thing we are going to do in the eternal kingdom of God, when, when God says, enough with all of this and we're moving on to the next thing, is he's going to bring us all together and he's going to have a dinner for us all. And we're going to sit around the table and we're going to eat. The Bible calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's like a wedding feast. It's like, it's like um, it's, you know, and he's the bride, or he's the bridegroom, and we're, the church is the bride, the Bible says. All these pictures that we are given to give us this idea of intimacy, closeness, of connection, of relationship. This is God's idea of what the church should look like. So when you ask, why do we value relationships? Well, because God values relationships. He lives in relationship. Why do we value relationships? Because the Bible values relationships. All those one another commands and, and, and suggestions, how we live together with one another. And because the church, the whole foundation of the church is built on this concept of relationships together. I've invited um, some people to come and talk about uh, their relationships um, and uh, so I'm going to invite um, Bonnie and Evelyn and Nathan to come and join me here. We're going to talk a little bit about their relationships. Just get this in the dark here. So come on up, folks. Now, these three people happen to be recently uh, elected to our board of directors. So I thought this was a good way to introduce you to some of our new board members. So I invited them to come. Peter was another one, that, uh, but he's, he's in England. Can we get Evelyn in the light there, or is that going to be possible? Can we get some light there? All right, well, you're going to work on it. I'll sneeze if you do that. You'll sneeze in the light? So Evelyn's going to be one of those people, you know, on the news that you see they're behind a curtain in the dark and you just hear their voice and you don't see them. Because <laughs> she wants to be anonymous. All right? The reason why I invited them up here, number one, it introduces you to some of our board members, but I want you to, to get a sense of why 
in a very practical way, why we um, value relationships so much in, uh, in our church. And uh, so I had some questions that I prepared, and I sent them out to you. And I'm not going to ask you any of those questions. I'm going to ask you all the no. <laughs> no. So we as a church community value relationships because the Bible teaches that relationships are important. Can you give an example of how uh, that value has been confirmed in your own experience? You want to start, Nathan? You have the microphone? Well, I was going to give you the um, sure. Uh, can you read it one more time? Just because I started going on to the next question. Can you give an example of how that value has been confirmed in your own experience? Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, when we, uh, Mardell and I have talked about this a lot, how we don't know how people survive in the world without a church family. There's so many times when uh, we're going through something and uh, uh, every time it's, it's the relationships we have in our church that get us through it. Um, just one example is uh, a number of years ago, Mardell went through, she had heart failure. And it was, it was the church that uh, we were in at the time that helped me <laughs> when she was in the hospital, but also just encouraged her and visited her. And the response of the people that were um, at the hospital or the, her, the lady that was in her room with her was, who are all these people? And ultimately, it's, it's the people that we have a relationship with in our church. It's different than any other group of people you'll ever come in contact with. Good. Good. Minister of Casseroles. <laughs> um, I think my example is similar to Nathan's in that um, we moved to Ottawa 19 years ago, 18 years ago, 18 years ago. And so we left um, our community behind, a community that when I walked down the street, people would look at me and say, you're a heisey, aren't you? Like, it was my stomping grounds. Um, and I had never left it for school. Um, I left my family. Um, you think of what all that entails for those of you who've never moved. It's family get-togethers. It's you know everybody, right? And I, I moved here, and I had three little kids, and Leonard was off to work, and the phone never rang. Nobody texted because we couldn't text. Um, it was lonely, and um, without a church to come to and... Um, know people and and be involved and get to know people as I got involved and stuff um, I would have been very very lonely so church is a community that for me just had great great value in that Go ahead. I'd reiterate that too same thing we got married very young 18 <laughs> and moved to Ottawa away from all our family had absolutely no family here and the church was huge in that but what we had to do was get involved it wasn't that necessarily people in the church came to us first but they did but we had to get involved we had to get involved in serving and volunteering and stuff and that's how we got to know people we were right away involved in a young adult small group you know things like that and they were again the people that you know when our dads passed away at a very young age both of them um you know they were there to support us and encourage mm -hmm. us and it's huge mm -hmm. now while you got the mic can you give um 
an example of how a relationship has brought some personal or spiritual transformation and growth in your life? Uh, can you give any examples of that kind of thing? I can. Um, I was a 15-year-old, slightly wayward child when I met Fred, <laughs> and I started coming to Young Peoples with him, and I developed a relationship of my own with Christ. And um, yeah, he's been a huge influence in my life to, to go the right way. <laughs> Good. What a blessing. Good. How about you, Bonnie? What relationship? This one stumped me a little bit. I mean, there's the obvious... I love my husband kind of thing and we grow together as a couple but um, I think um, in in a church context you're committing to imperfection mm-hmm. right um, I'm imperfect and um, I'm going to hurt some of you and you're imperfect and you're going to hurt me and so you're committing to that imperfection of working through that and for me um, conflict is a very fearful thing I hate it I will run from conflict and having to deal with that um, it's the iron that sharpens iron I guess the Bible talks about but um, I've had relationships with people in this church where we've had to walk it through. We've had to pray. We've had to forgive each other. We've had to, and it's not fun at the moment, and it's scary for me, but God is a part of that equation too. And in my own strength, I couldn't do that probably. Um, again, I'd be running down the road. <laughs> but he, he, like we sang, is faithful. And he comes and he helps us to to repair those things and to do those things. So nothing specific without naming people that <laughs> could be really embarrassing. But anyways, just his faithfulness to, to working through those imperfections. Right. So it's relationships that, uh, like you say, the iron sharpens iron. It... it um the, the metaphor of the Bible says we're, we're like the clay and he's like the potter. And uh, if, uh, I guess the relationships would be like the fingers, making, <laughs> making the etching in the, in the character that we, is created in us is through those relationships, right? That's really good. Um, Nathan, I'm going to ask you something more specific because your wife, um, she talks to me sometimes about you. <laughs> She said to me, just the other night, she said, uh, she said, you know, the biggest change in my husband has been through his involvement in a, in a men's group uh, with Next Level Ministries here in the city. Can you tell us how that has impacted your life? Nope. Nope? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Actually, when you're talking about that's actually what I was thinking about because... Um, Men are not typically um, interested in sharing what they're going through. Uh, we just kind of keep it to ourselves and just push through. And uh, the next level is, next level ministry is, it's, it's a covenant group where you have a group of men that decide to stick it out 
together for the long term. And so you develop a, a group of guys that you can actually trust. Um, not all at once, <laughs> but it builds. And so um, the, whole, the whole point of it is you develop that trust so that eventually you can actually talk and you can actually have people share what they're going through and also encourage, have permission to talk into another man's life. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that, I think that, that has been uh, very, a big deal in, in, in my life. It's a, and, and ultimately, you know, like you do study the Bible, you do pray and all that, but really it's, it's founded on uh, developing relationships between uh, a group of guys. Yeah. It's interesting because sometimes we kind of divide that, right? We divide our, our spiritual development, our spiritual growth. Uh, we kind of put it in a box with things like prayer and Bible study, and, and, uh, and those are all very good. And, and, and then we put relationships on another, kind of separate them out. But, but it all comes together when we are in relationship around our common faith and learning together, praying together, and growing together. There's a vulnerability there. Yeah, I just want to say, and that's, that's actually the biggest deal here, is that um, having those kinds of relationship around a common faith mm -hmm. is what's important. Everyone has friends. Everyone has people that you can confide in to a certain extent. But when it comes right down to it, it's the people that you can confide in that actually believe in God the same as you. Mm -hmm. That... Um, where God is the kind of the unifying force. Right. And yeah, there's Bible study and prayer and all that, but it's just that knowledge that, oh yeah, this guy believes the same thing I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I can talk about my concerns or my doubts or my whatever, and they'll get it, mm -hmm. or they'll help me get through it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, Bonnie alluded to the idea that there, not every relationship goes smooth all the time, even in, even in the church, even in the, the community of faith. Um, and sometimes we invest in other people's lives and they disappoint us and um, even hurt us. And how, how have you been impacted, Nathan, while you, since you got the mic in your hand? Like, how is that... Um, well, maybe you've never been hurt by anybody, but... <laughs> you only get hurt when you open yourself up to get hurt, right. really, is what happens. Um, if, if you don't have relationships, yeah, you never get hurt, but you never actually benefit either. Um, but just as an example, uh, just with this next level thing, um, this is actually the second group I'm in, I've been in. The first group was um, a tough one. <laughs> and I developed a few really good relationships in there, but there is also some big hurt that happened, which is why the group eventually did end. And, um, and there's, yeah, there's, there's sometimes there's feelings of betrayal or just, really, I, I, I invested this time in you and you just kind of blow it off. And so there was, yeah, yeah I mean, even in, the, in a situation where you have the best of intentions and it's structured to work properly, um, people are still people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evelyn, maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. Um, and from the perspective of it, have, have you ever wanted to withdraw from relationships because of the hurt? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us it's about It's definitely that. the easiest thing to do is just say, well... Why bother, right? Like, I don't need this in my life. My life is full enough. My life is busy enough. But to take the time to invest in other people that need, whether it's guidance or 
you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and what I say is just, you know, we can all find fault with each other. None of us is perfect. Um, the second I walked in the door, this wasn't a perfect church anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, we just have to have grace. We just have to have grace for one another and acknowledge that we all see things differently. Like, that's why there's so many different denominations. And, you know, we can interpret those tiny little portions of scripture so differently. But, you know, to just have grace for each other and walk with each other and support each other, encourage each other. It's just huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and especially leadership, right? To, yeah. to come behind you guys and just pray for you, first <laughs> of all. Yeah. Most important thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's something yeah. that's, yeah. it's easy to walk away and crawl into. A <laughs> yeah. Um, now, let's just encourage people a little bit. Maybe you've been hesitant about relationships because maybe you've been hurt at some point in time and you thought, well, I'll just go to a new church or I'll, I'll, I'll just withdraw like that um, and you're hesitant to build relationships, what kind of encouragement, maybe Bonnie want to start, what kind of encouragement would you give to people that are hesitating about relationships? Um, I would just say I'd be very wary of walking away because that hurt, like you were saying, is indicative of something else going on deep inside and you're just going to carry that with you to the next place and it's also going to permeate it doesn't stay in one place that discontent it kind of starts growing and then more people start bugging you and it becomes (laughs) this thing where eventually um, you're so at arm's length from so many people right that you can't um, enjoy relationships so just from a, and that's a very spiritual thing, I think, that God um, and sin does. God, God comes and helps us with that, and sin is trying to, you know, slay that and take over all that. But um, as far as encouragement, can I just, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Nate's sermon last week um, of, of authenticity, and it's okay to feel hurt and it's okay to grieve when things don't go great and it's okay to acknowledge that Um, but it's not okay to stay there (laughs) and I guess one of the things that I've been um, it's my it's my go-to prayer in relationships Um, sometimes you don't want to (laughs) do the right thing any, anybody else get that? <laughs> you, you know, you know what's the right thing to do, but you don't want to do it. And so, my, one of my awesomest prayers is, God, help me to want what you want, because I have to. I have to be willing to want what God wants, and God answers that prayer. Mm-hmm. And it might take a little bit of time, but it's a, and it's a process, I think. Of wanting to be engaged and wanting to commit to people, but God will walk you through it. Excellent. Um, Evelyn, I want you to share a little bit on these lines, but, but with some specifics, because I know God has, um, has blessed you, or you have, you have expanded your um, influence through hospitality. And, uh, you know, how how has that helped you to build relationships? You've opened your home for all kinds of different things, and uh, and you know you often will just invite people 
home. <laughs> and uh, so how, is that, how does that feel, and how would you encourage people to do that, or to, to get involved in that? Um, I think the main thing, people think everything has to be perfect. Like, everybody thinks their house has to be clean before they can invite people over, or, you know, everything has to be tidy, and, you know, the food has to be just so, and it doesn't have to be. People will come for just a bowl of soup and crackers <laughs> and cheese. Like, it doesn't have to be extravagant. And obviously, I, I just find I don't like going out to a restaurant. I find them noisy, distracting. I can't hear well the other people around the table. So I would much prefer to just have people in my home and, you know. But you have so much time on your hands. Oh, like, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's important for people to know that's something that you make time for, even though you, you, you and your husband run a, a business together, and so you work like six days a week, and like, it's just your whole life is consumed in work, and then, but you still find time to, uh, to, make, uh, to invite people in your home. Yeah. I think because that's how we were also, um, we were raised that way too. Fred, especially his family, always had people over on Sundays between the two services, 10 and 2.30. You quickly had somebody over for coffee. <laughs> but, um, and he's definitely encouraged me in that. You know, it yeah. wasn't something that really came naturally to me because my mother wasn't like that. Um, so it did take some growing on my part too. And there are times he would say, oh, let's have so long. I said, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm just too busy to whatever. But, you know, I've been able to let that go, you know, that my house doesn't have to be perfect. And when we had small children, it was easy because you just had families over that had kids and whatever. And we've kept toys in the house so that we can still have families over with young kids and <laughs> now have grandchildren. So, yeah. But, yeah, it is something that you really have to just decide to just do it. And I really encourage you to do it, not just with people of your own generation and of your own um, likenesses, whatever, you know. It could be older people. It could be younger people. It, it just to mix it up and really get to know people in all areas of life because yeah. we can just we come from such different back and we just find it fascinating to have people over and hear their stories and yeah. you know it's so. very enriching isn't it yeah, yeah. it is Great. good yeah. um Nathan, um, you obviously had to take some steps to get involved in a group. It's not even, like, we offer groups in the church and that kind of thing, um, but you actually took some steps to get involved in, in groups that were outside the church, and, and um, that can be a bit scary for people. How would you encourage people to, to look for something that will help them to connect with people and that would be spiritually enriching for them? Uh, just do it. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, like... Sounds like a good advertising campaign. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Um, no, it it's, <laughs> Running shoes or something. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where um, you have to decide that it's important to start. Yeah. Like, you have to be convinced that this is actually important. And you can decide for whatever reason, but I mean, this scripture, this ver verse here is perfect, right? It's because God told us to. Yeah. And because if you want to actually have impact outside the church, you have to have relationships inside the church first, because that is how um, all those, almost all of those one another's you talked about were for in the church. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so that people outside will see. And understand that a church this size only has so many opportunities for things. And... There are, there, there are tons and tons of uh, um, parachurch organizations. And, heck, you can go to a, uh, a, 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 fun, uh, 
a group or something in another church. It doesn't matter. Um, but find what you want. Find what, find what you need. And ask God what it is that he wants you to do. Um, and for me, this was something... I, I was actually invited initially, but it's kind of like, A, who are you? And <laughs> um, uh, But ultimately, it's just kind of... God said, no, you just go do it. And, and I think that was... Like when we first started coming here, the first Sunday we were here, after moving from Calgary... Uh, we joined a life group in Alpha. Just because it doesn't matter. Just do it. Just don't hesitate. Don't second guess. Do it. Try something. And if you don't like it, that's fine. There's always a way out. <laughs> you know, and there's always another group, right? Yeah. Um, but if you, if you just join a group, join, start doing things, you'll find that actually not, you know, people are actually more or less likable. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less, yeah. more or less. Um, <laughs> some and, more, some less. <laughs> but uh, you, you invest, right? And you don't get anything if you don't invest, yeah. right? Um, we're gonna um, Brian and the team are gonna come back, and um, we're just gonna spend some time singing a song and um, give you an opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper today. And I'm wondering if each of you would go down and stand beside one of these each of these tables just to be there as oh you have to play the piano okay well you too can go yeah you have an excuse right um just check pick a table and then go down and uh just just meet with people as they come just be there what i want to encourage you to do um oftentimes communion is a very individualistic thing the lord's supper we treat as a very individualistic thing and if that's what you want today if you just want to be alone with the lord and take your 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 bread and your cup back to your seat or to a quiet corner um, and just receive communion on your own that's fine you can feel free to do that but i want to just challenge you to maybe take communion and go and share it with someone um, go g- grab somebody before you come down for communion and say, would you come with me and, and we'll share communion together?